it's time for another Doing Disney Fast Play 5. This episode, we're focusing on our five favorite dogs across all of Disney. Pink Sun Guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Kelly Meehan. And welcome to this episode of Doing Disney. Today we have another Fast Play 5. If you ever watched Disney on DVD in the mid-2000s, you may remember the selection menu with Fast Play to skip straight to the film. So we honour that and skip straight to the five favourites. Disney creates so many lovable dogs. So this Fast Play 5, we're counting down our five favourite dogs across animation, Pixar, Marvel, live action, TV, anything with the Disney branding goes. So I've opened up the definition to be more canine focused. So if it's in the family of canines, wolves is fair game, foxes, coyotes, anything that's dog adjacent counted. I've got two special guests with me today. I've got Tony Derso and Nick Tuig. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored. <laughs> Start at the beginning. So as it should be said for every Fast Play 5, there are only a limited number of spaces and many amazing choices to pick from, so hard cuts must be made. Fast Play 5's come down to favourites, as is every category on the podcast, as each person is entitled to their picks. Just because something doesn't make the list doesn't mean we don't like it. I encourage quirky, out-of-the-box choices because the theory of this podcast is finding out how various people do Disney, so it comes down to personal opinion and how people want to make their list. Let's kick off number five with Nick. Nick, who made your number five? All right, my number five. Um, there's a lot of classic dogs out there. You got your Plutos, you got your Goofies, but none uh, quite stand up to uh, the one and only, probably the best pop star ever to exist ever. I'm talking about Powerline from a Goofy movie. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so great. much. Please elaborate. Oh, my God. Okay, so first of all, great, great songs, great voice, um, incredible Honestly, an extremely goofy movie is my more favorite movie, but Powerline is my favorite part in either of the two. The best part about Powerline is any other musician, artist, singer, they, they get really annoyed if, if uh, Max and, and Goofy messed up their show. But instead, Powerline looks at what's happening, and he says, you know what? I'm going to roll with it. And Goofy starts doing this weird fishing dance thing in Powerline just immediately copies it because he's that talented and he's just a class act. I love Powerline. <laughs> Tony, what are your thoughts on Powerline? Uh, Powerline's great. I uh, That movie came out around my 10th birthday and it was a choice between seeing that or Power Rangers the movie. I ended up seeing Power Rangers the movie. A decision that I regret to this day <laughs> because you know obviously the better movie is a goofy movie and obviously uh that whole that whole number uh eye to eye at the end is just it's a blast especially after the whole journey of getting to the concert yes uh I love this pick. I've just been listening to the Goofy Movie soundtrack the other day at work. I'm like stacking shelves. I'm like, this just goes off. <laughs> like, you're eye to eye, stand out after today. Like, I know after today's not Caroline, but it still goes off. Um, 
as he, I love the way you described it. This power line just goes with it. That's so true. Like at the end, he's just fully into it. Um, I love that we're having a moment with the Goofy movie. It seems to be coming up more and more. People are really finding that nostalgia for it. And I'm seeing a lot more merchandise. I'm seeing bags, wallets, T-shirts, all with Powerline on it. So I like that this is having a bit of a comeback because I'm very much in the same boat. I remember this coming out um, and watching it on VHS at the time. So I'm definitely feeling the nostalgia for it. So it's great to see. Uh, Tony, what's your number five pick? Okay. So my number five pick might be the most recent edition from Hawkeye. I did Lucky the Pizza Dog. Love it. Yeah. So first off, that dog's freaking adorable. Always always winking because he only has the one or he only only has the one eye. And I'm I'm sorry. Dogs and pizza. Does it get any better than that combination? And he's a good do- he's a good dog. The only dog on my list that is an actual real dog, you know, always there to comfort Clint or Kate after after a day of superheroing. So, you know, and part again, part of my love comes from also the comic. I was a big fan of the uh, the Hawkeye run that introduced Pizza Dog. So, but yeah, lucky the Pizza Dog. (laughs) Love it, Nick. What's your thoughts on this choice? Great choice. So. Yeah. Probably, so I didn't think of it when I was making my list. Probably still wouldn't have made my top five, but I was literally scouring the MCU for a dog. I was like, there's got to be a dog like in the MCU that, that really like sticks out. And I really couldn't find one. And I didn't think of Lucky the Pizza Dog, but that's definitely like the MCU dog at the moment. And the best part is he like mirrors Hawkeye. Like we've all grown <laughs> to love Hawkeye, but he's like the weird one, the castaway, like He's the Avenger without powers, but eventually we all grow to love him because he's a he's the family guy and, and stuff like that. And Lucky's the exact same. He's like the one-eyed dog that everyone avoids. Uh, but then he finds Clinton Kate and brings him pizza. Yeah, I like the choice. I'm two episodes into Hawkeye, so I ha- I'm yet to see the full arc. I'm I'm very behind in my MCU TV watch, but I did the same. I'm like, I'm scaring. I'm like, Cosmo, not really. Mm. Alice said, like, Lockjaw, and I'm like, I'm not going to talk about the Inhumans TV show. Like, I avoided yeah. that. That's not coming up. So I love this choice. I'm intrigued to see more of Pizza Dog. Like, he's adorable so far, what I've seen. So great choice. Yeah. My number five. My number five place is always going to be for the quirkier choices or the ones that I'm just not quite sold on or the ones that are just maybe not the best actual characters, like not the good guys. I'm going with Georgette from Oliver and Company. She's the pampered pooch of the Foxworth house. So this is where I'm glad to do favourite dogs and not best dogs because there's no way Georgette from Oliver and Company is a best dog. She's She's a minor antagonist throughout the film really, because she's trying to kick Oliver out of her um, lifestyle house on Park Avenue. She, she doesn't want a street cat interfering with her. But it's it's the Bette Midler that makes it for me. So the, the way she just has this big Broadway production number when we're introduced to her, her first lines are, girl, we've got work to do. Pass me the paint and glue. As she puts her face on with the curlers and the sunglasses and then she has the balcony moment, walks down the stairs with birds framing her face. So I had this on VHS. So this is definitely one that I've just grown up with loving. And Georgette, I just, yeah, I can't get my nostalgia goggles off for her. I just think she's adorable. 
So for past even that Broadway production number, she's just a great foil to play off with all the other dogs from Oliver and Company, which is a great crew of dogs as well. Um, so she has those interactions with Dodger, and then later on we get her and Tito, which is really cute. She comes around at the end and helps save everyone. So I like I like the arc of it. But Georgette, she just she's just a personal favorite. I just like her. Tony, what are your thoughts on Georgette? Yeah, Georgette definitely has that like that how like that diva energy going from oh, yeah. moment one, the second she is on screen, and obviously. When you get someone like Ben Mittler, that's exactly the energy you're trying to put out. I actually, uh, I just watched this a couple months ago, probably for the first time since it came out, or not long after it came out, because I remember, I have memories of seeing it at a drive-in theater way, way back, but being as I was like four at the time, I kind of fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oliver and Company is a, it's a it's a cute, fun movie, and there's definitely a lot of choices. Georgette's, Georgette's a good one. Uh, you could definitely go with either Dodge, Dodge or mm. Tito as well. Yeah. Or uh, uh, what's Roscoe, the actor? Is that the... Oh, um, Francis, voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. He's also Great. a good one. It's such a good, like, just a good crew of dogs. Great, guys. Yeah. Nick, what's your thoughts on Georgette? Uh, I did scour this film as well because I knew there were plenty of dogs to pick from. Didn't wind up with any. Didn't really even consider Georgette. So I found um, Oliver and Company much later after my childhood, like way more recently. Yeah. Um, so I don't quite have the nostalgia for it. And yeah, when you said Georgette, I was like, <laughs> I like forgot she has a redemption. <laughs> so I was like, isn't that the like really bratty one? Thing? Yes, it is. <laughs> and I still love her in her bratty moments. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I do remember the thing at the end with Tito and, and her like coming around and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I like the arc as well. And yeah, it's definitely an out of the box pick that I wouldn't have thought of, but I like it. The other one I definitely was tossing up with Dodger, like Billy Joel as a dog. That's pretty iconic <laughs> as well. The Why Should I Worry is one of my favorite songs ever. That whole scene through New York's so good. After watching that, that song was stuck in my head for like four Tell days. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Oliver and Company soundtrack criminally underrated in my opinion streets of gold also a really good song and the opening one with the fairy tale in new york city also really good yeah agreed nick what's your number four my number four is a personal choice it's very controversial many people uh tell me this uh my favorite picks to our movie is up oh. <laughs> and i'm a big fan of doug love doug one of the i mean i almost just said it's the most realistic way they make a dog talk but then you think about it and they're flying in that zeppelin on top and they have collars and they can talk so i guess not but uh regardless doug's adorable doug's been brought up bullied his whole life uh by these other alpha dogs and and whatever and he works for the bad guy and it's like the second he sees a good guy come along he's like you're my master now because i know you're a better person than this guy classic lines i was hiding under your porch because i love you uh the whole (laughs) squirrel thing love doug two pieces a lot of people Give me crap for that, but I don't care. Big fan. I hear he's getting a TV show, or he has a TV show, something like that. And at the end of the day, he becomes the alpha. So, like, not only uh, does he join the right side, but he also, like, gains the favor of all the other dogs. So, uh, Doug, criminally underrated or overrated, depending on who you're talking about. <laughs> Love it. Tony, what are your thoughts on Doug? Uh, Doug's actually my number three. 
Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because, again, another uh, recent rewatch. And then, like, uh, in putting together a list, I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'll fit Doug in there. We'll see. Then I was like, well, actually, the more I thought of it, like, it just moved up and up. Because, one, he's a good boy. And what else do you want from a dog? Just be a good doggy. But also, I love the vo- uh, Bob Peterson, the voice actor. He he does this very upbeat but monotoned voice where it's oh hello I am here it, it, you know and it's just it's just like yes and I am going to make you my prisoner and it's just just like the delivery of it it's just funny it is just hilarious just on a rewatch I I couldn't help myself so yeah. Doug is aces in my book. Doug's definitely an honorable mention. When I was thinking Pixar dogs, I think that's the first one you think of. I think he's become iconic as a Pixar dog. Up's not really one of my favorites, but Doug is definitely the standout part of that film for me. I love, uh, I think just the memeable moments is great. Squirrel, like you say that to anyone and they sort of, they know what you're doing and you do the head and turn and things like that. But even the cone of shame and whatnot is, <laughs> the cone of shame is great and his, his sad face and just being a golden retriever, like he's so lovable. They really just brought that. They used the good Pixar animation art style to enhance the cuteness of Doug. He, he's a standout, so love the choice. Tony, what's your number four? My number four, I'm not sure how this movie's been received overall, but, you know, and watching it with my kids, it obviously gives me a different lens to see stuff. But uh, I went with Bolt from the movie Bolt. I think John Travolta does a good job, just that super serious, you know, I am a superhero. And then what, what is this? I'm looking at this, but it's not blowing up. What is going, you know, it's about a dog who needs to learn how to be a dog. And again, he does a good job. That's all I want from my dogs. Just be a good dog. But, you know, and uh, has great interactions uh, with Mitzi, I believe is a cat. Mittens? But uh, good interactions with that. Like her teaching him how to do the head, head tilt. While begging for food is a, is a cute scene. So, yeah, Bolt. <laughs> Bolt's a movie, I think, has a really good premise, but not the best execution. So it's not one I've gone back to a lot, but I like the idea of having an actor dog that doesn't know he's, he's, it's not a real situation. And so and then you have the girl Penny and her interactions with him. So I think it's I think it's a cute idea. And as you said, it's him learning to become a real dog and all those types of things. So I think it's... It's got good moments. I think Bolt is a good character. I think the movie itself lets Bolt down, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, see. I, I can see that. Nick, what's your thoughts on Bolt? I almost picked the uh, stunt dog they used to replace Bolt, just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one that, like, starts a fire and all this. <laughs> Where's everyone? But uh, I agree with you, Kelly. Uh, I don't love the movie. And I think both of the characters suffers from that. But most of the dogs on my list share a common theme. It's loyalty. Like, that's, like, what defines a dog. And there is no more loyal dog than Paul. Like, even when he finds out he doesn't have superpowers, even after after living his whole life thinking he does, he's still like, I need to get to Penny, and I need to save Penny. So, like, admirable 
really appreciate it. I think it's because I don't like the movie that much. Why I didn't. Yeah. So my number four, when I was writing this, I was that Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty at the keyboard, like could not stop my fingers. I could have written a whole page on, or an essay on this dog. Is Nana from Peter Pan. So I just have the softest spot in my heart for this dog. I know Peter Pan is a controversial film now, but I really think the opening before they get to Neverland is amazing. And Nana is a big part of why I love it. Who would not want a big, lovable St. Bernard as your nanny? That is amazing. And not only that, she is competent. She, she's not bumbling. She knows what she's doing. She brings the water. She brings the medicine. She turns the bed down. She does everything. And I love that there's the scene, she trips on the blocks. She, like, gets under the feet of the dad. So she trips on the blocks. The whole family rushes over to Nana instead of the dad. Oh, poor Nana. <laughs> and I'll kind of console her and pick her up. And the dad is incredulous at that because it's obvious the family cares more for the welfare of Nana than the dad at the moment. And then you get that heartbreaking scene where he ties her up outside because that's the first symbol of the children are growing up. Not only does Wendy have to leave the nursery, but Nana's no longer the nursemaid. He thinks it's silly. He doesn't understand the children's playtime and imagination and things like that so you're still getting those family drama moments with it which is why I think Peter Pan gets not just a bad rap for the very obvious reasons it does now but it does I think it's a lot more people think it's a lot lighter than what it is and there's there's good serious tones there there's good family perspective and drama that you wouldn't expect to have in such an early Disney movie that are there if you're looking for it so when he ties her up and even he apologizes to Nana like I'm sorry I have to do this and she's just so sad. And then I cry every time, every single time. Sorry, I did write nearly write an essay on this. I love this dog. <laughs> I cry nearly every time that the kids fly up to Neverland. They have their pixie dust. They're flying out the window. Michael pours a little bit of pixie dust and says, come on, Nana. And she floats up, but she's still tied to the doghouse. And she just has this big paw and waves goodbye to them. And she doesn't get to go to Neverland. And I get that we can't just take a dog there, but I feel justice for Nana. She should have gone to Neverland. She deserves to see the second start of the ride. So Nana, I love her. Nick, what are your thoughts on her? As many as that? <laughs> Probably not as many as that, but um, I respect your passion. I admire your love for Nana. I thought Nana was kind of forgettable. <laughs> I do love Peter Pan. I agree with what you said about Peter Pan. I think Peter Pan is criminally underrated. And maybe I could maybe I could use a rewatch because I don't think I've seen it in a whole long or in a in a very long time. And actually I don't remember much about the beginning anyway, so maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. But you are right, there is a whole lot of deeper meaning in the film Peter Pan. And if Nana brings that out and makes it clearer to the audience, then I, I'm a big fan of Nana. I do remember some of the like nannying stuff. <laughs> which which is great. It's 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 classic Disney uh dog stuff. So I'm a big fan. <laughs> On my laundry wall, I've like decorated with pictures of Disney and Ghibli characters doing like domestic activities, you know, for the inspiration. Okay. So I've got like Snow White cleaning the house, Cinderella, I've got Stitch in the laundry basket, I've got Wally in the vacuum cleaner. I've got at least three pictures of Nana that I look at nearly every day of her doing the chores around the house. So I love it. Tony, what's, what's your thoughts on Nana? 
Uh, I specifically did not pick Nana because Nana is a better parent than me. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, uh, Nana's an honorable mention for me. Uh, mainly the reason is because it's only that those two scenes, the between, uh, cause I love, I love when you brought up Nana, I was thinking the, Oh, poor Nana scene. Yeah. Cause that's just great. And you know, you feel bad for Nana. It's just like, Oh, poor dogs get tied up outside choking on the collar as, as she gets covered with pixie dust. So it's like, come on, think it through, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what's your number three? My number three is a classic. Haven't revisited their films in, in a bit, but I specifically remember this particular dog being a very large part of my childhood. And that is none other than Air Bud. The wonder dog who can play every sport. And I looked up, I forgot how many movies he had. Just the like, <laughs> just the, um, what's it called? The like puns in the titles, the golden receiver. Um, That's the one. <laughs> World Cup and stuff like that. Big fan of this dog. Literally loved this dog. Watched all the movies when I was younger. I haven't seen him in a while. But like I was talking about loyalty, I specifically remember a scene in the very first one where he's playing basketball where the kid has to like let him go and he's like go away i don't want you anymore and, and airbud still comes back and plays in the big game and, and and they make up because he's a loyal dog uh i love this dog he's the goodest of boys um <laughs> and better at sports than me so it's great <laughs> tony what are your thoughts on airbud ah uh, i've actually never seen airbud i have seen some of the buddy movies oh, of like I think they're Air Buds kids. I don't even know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. My son's like, oh, that looks great. And I'm like, it really doesn't. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get to choose. I can't watch Game of Thrones or something, <laughs> something else. So I guess we'll watch, uh, what is it, Super Buddies when they get superpowers. I don't know. But at that point, I think they've kind of, they kind of made, you know, they jumped the shark, so to speak. So, yeah, I. I always felt bad for Airbud. He's headbutting a basketball a lot. I mean, that cannot feel <laughs> good. He's either the, getting um, it with the head or with his mouth. I think he's like biting at it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think that was going to come up with the podcast today. The practical components of the Airbud movies, but the logical <laughs> reasoning behind Airbud. I too have never seen Airbud. I've seen the covers of Airbud movies though, and so those titles. They stick out in the head. Golden Receiver is definitely the one I think of the most. That sounds just brilliant. Um, I remember it being shown on TV a fair bit, but it's just um, wasn't my bag. But I appreciate the premise. The premise of a dog playing sports is is amazing in the chance. It's it's definitely something Disney would do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and hence why they did it. Correct. <laughs> Tony, we had your number three with Doug, so yep. we'll move on to my number three. Okay, when I first started the list, I thought I, we're doing cats as well. So sneak peek, cats will be next time. And I thought, well, that's going to be all felines because I want to open that up. So when I thought dogs, okay, we're going to do all canines. So that's when wolves, coyotes, things like that. And I saw foxes in, in the genus or classification. I'm not a scientist, whatever it is. But I've never really put the two together. I get that they're dog-like, but it never really classed in the same family. 
but Tony messaged me and said, do foxes count? I'm like, well, if you think foxes count and I've read it, like I'm game, let's do foxes. So of course that opens it up for Robin Hood. Does that make, there it is. I thought yep. we might be coming back around to that one. Yep. Put a pin in it. We'll circle back. <laughs> Nick, what's your number two? <laughs> Not to go into it, but when you messaged me, by the way, foxes count. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> um, my number two. Get the waterworks ready. Uh, this is my first memory of me like crying at a movie. Uh, but then it has a happy ending, so it's good. Uh, if you've ever seen Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, my second favorite dog of all time is Shadow. Love Shadow. Literally, like I was a kid, and when he like falls in the pit, I like start weeping. And again, it's that theme of loyalty. How far can this dog lead these other dogs to get back to their humans because they believe their purpose is to like be there for their humans um and he tells the other two to go on and then you're crying because it's like crap we lost shadow but then like one of the most inspirational movie endings that i can remember from my childhood is shadow just limping his way up the hill uh running all the way back so love the guy i'm getting well enough just thinking about it uh but big fan of shadow tony what are your thoughts on shadow shadow's wonderful uh homer bounds one i haven't I I haven't seen that in quite a few years, quite a, a couple decades actually. But and if I had had time, I probably would have watched it. At which point, Chance probably would have made my list because I mean, Chance is just funny. You know, you get Michael J. Fox. So, but yeah, that that is a heartbreaking scene because it's like it's dirty, muddy because of the rain. Shadow just can't make it up because he's older dog. And you think, oh, jeez. Oh, God. This is how this is going to end. But then uh, when when at the end, when he, he's the last one to shoot out to when they get back to the family, it definitely just warms your heart. So Shadow's a great choice. The 90s kid in me loves this choice so much, but I'm exactly the same as Tony. Like, I probably haven't seen it since the 90s because I'm just an overly sensitive person. So anything with the animals and the real life sort of situation, anything with animals being separated from their owners breaks my heart. I can't handle it. We just talked about happy endings and that just sprung to mind old yeller. I would never be able to watch that movie because I know how it ends. So I don't think that's making the list. But I love the choice. I do... I remember the characters. I don't remember so much the movie, but I, I know those three animals because they had sequels, didn't they, to Homeward Bound? I think so. There was, was... Uh, Lost in San Francisco. Yeah, something. Yeah. They did like a Home Alone kind of thing where it's like, and then... I was just about to say, is it Home Alone? Yeah, exactly. I keep losing them. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it was a few years after Home Alone, so they're probably like, well, it worked for him. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Tony, what's your number two? Ah. Uh, my number two, I'm going to go with one I actually, I watched because I was like, you know, that's one I had missed over, over the years. From the Fox and the Hound, I went with uh, Copper. Good choice. Oh, oh put a pin in that one. We we'll will circle back. Mm -hmm. Very good. I, but I already love that it's something you've seen just recently again, and that's making another two. That's a strong statement, so I can't wait. My number two is Pongo from 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, which 101 Dalmatians? Oh. The live Obviously, action one or the... 
Senor, the classic. (laughs) No, Cruella. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, Pongo is just one of the ultimate Disney dogs. I mean, we talk, you say Disney dogs, and immediately I sort of think Lady and the Tramp, which I find really funny, hasn't come up on on the list, but is an honorable mention. We'll get to that. I think I've got reasons why. But 101 Dalmatians is the other one because that's the dog-centric films, you know. So I put Pongo on here to sort of represent the film as a whole, which I've come to love. It's one I've watched much more in recent years. And each time I watch it, I'm like, this is just really good. I don't know why growing up I thought this was like a B-list one. No, it's like quite up there, especially the opening. It opens on Pongo and his pet Roger, which I think is such a cute premise, and he decides to find him a mate and he looks at all the different women of London who are walking the streets with their identical dogs, which I just find hilarious, and he spies Anita and Perdita, follows them to the park, and they have just the best meet-cute in all of Disney history, I think, with them at the park, and he ties them up in the leash and they fall into the pond and everyone giggles and, like, six months later everyone's getting married. It's very idyllic and very cute. But then you also get the scenes of Perdita having the puppies and Roger and Pongo waiting there, waiting for the puppies to be born. And that heartbreaking scene with Lucky when you think he's not going to make it and Roger brings him back. And, oh, it's just so cute. But then you get that heartbreaking turn of events when the actual plot sort of kicks in and it's parents being separated from their kids. And it's really hard to watch and the journey that those two go on to get their kids back and then end up taking all 84 extra puppies back in, the journey that they have to do through the snow, we talk. We just talked about Homeward Bound. It gives me very parallels to that with the kids just hungry and tired and cold and then having to trek it through and meet all the people on the way that take them in and roll in the soot just to make it home. So Pongo, he's just he's just a good dude. Like if, if you can have a good dude as a dog, it's Pongo. Nick, what are your thoughts on Pongo? Uh, Pongo is a good dude, and I was thinking about this movie quite a bit. Uh, and I was thinking about representing it in my top five. I probably would have gone with Purdy over Pongo personally. Yeah, um, not, by, not by much. Like they're very, like they're almost synonymous uh, in, yes. in many ways. Because um, the only thing, uh, one, Purdy has the kids, freaking rock star. Um, <laughs> and two, uh, I think she's the one, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they're in like the, the, the house of like 84 puppies and she's the one that's like, we should, we should adopt them, essentially. Yeah. They're coming with us. <laughs> and yeah. Pongo's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I do love this movie. I, I am a big fan. Uh, worst commercial theme song ever in Canine Crunchies, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, Nightmare fuel. <laughs> outside of that, I do love Pongo. Pongo's a great pick. Tony, what are your thoughts on Pongo? Pongo is definitely an honorable mention. Uh, one I did, I, one that was a real watch in trying to come up with my list didn't quite make the cut i think partially because for the most part it's really like that beginning scene for pongo and then at that point it's just the puppies and it's just more chasing the puppies and just trying to get away there's nothing nothing like stands out during that time period but that opening scene uh and watching it and referring to roger as the pet and like, oh, well, let's find him a mate. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's really easy. That's a joke that I wouldn't get as a kid. But now when I've gone back and watched it as an adult and I look at that, I'm like, that's really clever. That's like a nice touch. And that's what's drawing me into the film a bit more. I'm enjoying the setting of the film a lot more as an adult, which is nice. 
we've made it to number ones and we've got a lot of overlap, which is so exciting to talk about. Nick, what's your number one? Uh, my number one has been one of my favorite Disney characters uh, since I was a kid. I specifically remember in my math class in high school, my teacher, big Disney nerd, on the first day, he was like, everyone introduce yourself and say your favorite Disney character. And I was like, you know what? My floppy-eared fella, Copper, uh, is easily my, at the time, easily my favorite. He's still probably top three. Um, one, cutest dog. As, as a baby, cutest dog, and I don't think it's even close uh, to anyone else. And that's saying something because there's a lot of cute Disney dogs. But Copper, especially with the voice, it's, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman yes. Corey, oh, brilliantly voiced. Like, couldn't have a cuter voice to match uh, Copper. Uh, and then as he gets older, you, uh, and then he's voiced by Kurt Russell. Yep. Yes. He gets older, and it's it's this whole thing about, again, loyalty, where he needs to be loyal to his owner and do the job he's, his owner wants him to do and, and loyal to Chief, but also he still has a little bit of loyalty like for his friend, even though they've gone their separate ways and they, and they clash and he has to make difficult decisions. Uh, but at the end of the day, Copper like comes around. And oddly enough, there's a sequel to The Fox and the Hound. It's The Fox and the Hound too, And I probably watched that one way too much as a kid. <laughs> uh, I've seen Copper yodel at the Tennessee Grand Ole Opry like way too many times <laughs> in my lifetime. But no, I just, I, I, I love Copper. Uh, he's so adorable. He's so cute. And he balance, he has to, ba he may, has to make this life balancing choice. And I think he does it really well. So big fan. I know Tony had him too. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. He made my number two because I think maybe out of all the dogs I had picked, he actually has a very strong character journey. I mean, okay. it's not, I mean, it's not just, I'm just the cute dog. Okay. I'm just going to skate, you know, skate on that for the whole movie. It's, you know, oh, I met this friend. This friend is a natural enemy, but he's my best friend and we're going to be best friends forever. And then after that hunting trip, he comes back and he ends up blaming Todd for chief getting hurt. And then as Nick said, it's the loyalty to his family and the loyalty to his friend. And he, you know, tries to tell Todd, no, I'm, this is over. You're I'm getting you. And then at the end, it's just, you know, he comes around but he stares down Amos with the shotgun and he's, he wins. I think Cop is a great choice. Definitely, as I've said, I'm, I'm so sensitive. So this is one that I saw maybe once as a kid and then I've had to come back and revisit as an adult because there's that scene, it's not Cop Jason, but it's when um, the Widow Tweed leaves Todd in the forest and has to drive away. Oh, when I watched that recently, I ran through the house, picked up my cat and cried. Like, I was, I'll never do that to you. Like, it was so sad. Um, but Cop is such a good character. As you said, I love the beginning where you get him and Todd playing together. And I'm a hound dog. Like, it's so cool, that little voice and his big floppy ears. And But as you said, the way he looks up to Chief gets taken under his wing and they go off on their trip and they bond. It's, it's It very mirrors real life, especially when you're a child with, like, your different friends and relationships and how you have to navigate those social situations. So there is, like, um, that parable there that you can apply to real life that maybe you might not pick up as a kid, but as an adult you can be like, oh, that's actually a kernel of truth there. 
So Copper's an adorable character, as you said at the end, with him standing over Todd. That's such an iconic shot right there in the water, gun facing him. It's it's amazing. And I do like you don't get that overly saccharine ending. It's not that they get to be best friends forever. They have to go their separate ways and have their separate journeys, but they can still be friends. So great life lessons in the Fox and the Hound. Good choice. Tony, what's your number one? My number one uh, is your number three, Robin Hood. <laughs> this, the second, I was like, I looked up, I was like, they're canines. I'm going to check with Kelly to make sure this is cool. You said yes. I was like, boom. And it's like, check that one off the list. Robin Hood is one of my favorite Disney movies, far none. It is so much fun. I love just him just being just so suave and cool and just, you know, hang, hanging with Little John. And then going to the archery contest dressed as a stork and... And you talk about loyalty, The you know, as soon as he finds out about Friar Tuck potentially getting hung, it's a two-man jailbreak of the entire, you know, town or village of Nottingham. So, and all the gold. It's like freaking Danny Ocean level. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's definitely, like I said, one of my favorites and just so much fun from beginning to end. Robin Hood made my number three, absolutely. When when we open the door for boxes, I'm like, okay, it's either going to be Nick Wilde, Todd and Vixie, but I'm like, no, we're on the same page. We both want to put Robin Hood on this list, I think, <laughs> which is great because he needs to be talked about. He's such a great character. Maid Marian's the lovely fox as well. I think she's very sweet, very charming, but her most of her character arc is being in love with Robin, whereas we get to see a lot more of what Robin's about. It's a great interpretation of the legend of robbing from the rich to give to the poor. It's always that every man tale that's great to see. So the way that they've done it with anthropomorphic animals, I think was always really cool. And this is one I've always really enjoyed as well, especially from that opening where we get um, Alan O'Dale serenading, we get Uda Lally. Like what a, what a fun little song. That just gets you in the film straight away. And it's great because we get to see Robin and Little John actually pull off a successful heist right at the start where they rob Prince John as the fortune tellers. So, like, we know these other guys that they're actually getting stuff done, which is great. And you have that foil with the Sheriff of Nottingham who's coming around and collecting the taxes and whatnot, which gives Robin a really good chance to we get to show how caring and compassionate and giving he is when he goes to the rabbit household and gives them the money and gives um, Skippy his hat and his bow and that he really is like a man of the town. He's, he's putting up what he says he's doing, which is great to see. But he's just so charismatic, such yeah. a charismatic Disney character. For a second, I'm like, am I just getting confused with the Britishness of it all? Is it just the accent? <laughs> to be but fair, no. that could be part of it for me, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But he's he's gallant and he's heroic, but he's he's cheeky as well because, as you said, he dresses up as the stork costume because he, he he's trying to push his luck. He wants to get away with it. He's, <laughs> he's like in, in the middle death. of the. Oh, he's go ahead. He's for death, and he wants to do this so he can get a kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once he's caught, and there's that big uh, melee afterwards. 
he's he's fighting off about 15 people and he's like marion will you marry me and it's just like all right man go for it shoot your shot it's great this is the time no i think robin hood is an amazing number one choice love it uh my number one someone that's actually already been mentioned quite early on classic character I'm always gonna put like a legacy choice as my number one normally because I can't help myself. It's Goofy. I love Goofy. It's really just so hard to go past this as my number one. I'm a big fan of the Sensational Six, your classic Disney, your Mickey, Minnie, Daisy, Donald, Pluto and Goofy. If Daisy's not in there, I'm not happy. I love her as well, so. But Goofy just provides a lot of levity for whatever situation he's in. So he is the comic relief and sometimes that can, tend to be a bit grating, but I think Disney manages to know when to use Goofy and how, which is great. So in those classic Mickey Donald Goofy shorts, he's, he's the classic yucks and he's the one bumbling around, but you need that because Mickey Mouse as a character is so straight. And then Donald's like your angry little one that's popping off all the time. So then you need Goofy to sort of, he's, he's the heart of that trio really in a funny way. Um, and then of course we get, a goofy movie and an extremely goofy movie where we get to flesh out a bit more of that backstory that actually gave him backstory that he's uh, a single dad looking after his son and growing up and that's another one it seems to be the theme that you don't get as a kid how effective that is as an adult and now you see those um memes go around with max uh just get out of my life i just wanted to be a part of it things like that that, that tends to hit a lot more now but my favorite goofy parts are actually his how-to series I love Disney classic shorts, like what you used to get before a movie aired or what you used to get on VHS when they would show like the little uh, cartoon shorts before the, the feature presentation. So he's how to dance, how to play football, any of those instructional video things with the narrator going over and goofy uh, acting out whatever the scenario is. I think that's fun. So I like a multi-purpose character and that's goofy. Nick, what are your thoughts on goofy? Yeah, when I when I went to Disney when I was a young younger kid, I bought a goofy hat, and I still have it in my room at home, I think. But um, big fan. He's curly. He's curly of of the Three Stooges. Larry Moe and Curly. He's he's curly. So yeah, that's great. And then my biggest, obviously, because I talked about it already. My biggest, not introduction, but what I remember Goofy for is a goofy movie and an extremely goofy movie. And yeah, like beyond just all the comic relief and all the the laughs, like it's kind of crazy how they turned him into like a really relatable character with like sympathy and like heart. And he's the ultimate like embarrassing dad um, who is embarrassing because he loves his son so much. And he's like the can, he's the uh, I can do it all dad. He'll uh, he's he's gone on a road trip with his son because he just loves his son. And even after he finds out his son was just using him to to get to a concert, he's like, you know what? If that's what you want, son, like that's what I want for you. The the X Games thing in an extremely goofy movie. Uh dude, there's just so much that could be said about Goofy. And yeah, and yeah, I, I literally was like, Goofy Powerline. I kind of want to talk about Powerline because I feel like we're gonna talk about Goofy. So. <laughs> that's a good choice. Tony, yeah. what are your thoughts on Goofy? Uh, Goofy did not make my list because I assumed it was going to make someone else's. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what, Goofy's gonna get his. So, but uh, no, Goofy's great and definitely 
even going beyond because I never saw an extremely goofy movie. I just saw the first goofy movie, but in the once and twice upon a Christmas, he has those uh, things with Max where he's trying in the first one, he's trying to get Max to believe. And, you know, then he has his moments of doubt. And then, you know, naturally at the end, they see Santa. But and then when in the second one, Max is older, away at college, brings home his girlfriend. And it's a very short, short one in uh, Twice Upon a Christmas. But it's he's just doing his goofy thing. He's embarrassing Max like crazy. He's bringing out the the big photo of him, like, you know, butt naked to show his girlfriend. And it's just like, and definitely in terms of comic relief, Goofy's top notch. Uh, if you've seen on Disney Plus the... Uh, the the recent uh, Mickey Mouse shorts from like the the 2010s. He's not in a lot of, a lot of the shorts, but they use them the right way. There's one where uh, Pluto's going to go into a dog show, but thanks to Goofy, he gets injured. So Goofy ends up doing the dog show for Pluto. And in everything, he is just like, you know, you know, sit. He just pulls out a chair and he's just like, And they're like, bag. And the, all the dogs are like, bag. And then he's like, please, she meant nothing to me. I can change. I can change. Uh, and it's just, it's just funny. Uh, those shorts are good because, like, kids and adults can enjoy them. Very true. And, yeah. you know, when you get Goofy being that straight comic relief, there, there's always lots of chuckles. So. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think you can use him in any situation. I love whenever he pops up. Just a great character. Oh, that's our list. But what made the honorable mentions? Is there anything anyone wants to bring up that made, that nearly made the list? I didn't know if Stitch counted. I was I, hoping someone would do it. Yeah, I, I thought about it. I was like, he's not really a dog, but he plays one in the movie yeah. for a little bit. I, was like, I would 100% pay it. I, I was gonna say if he had counted, he he definitely would have made my list. I just oh, wasn't sure. sure. I was like, all right, I I, I got Robin Hood. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> Stitch would make it. Um, other ones I thought of was uh, Lady and the Tramp. Of course, I had Lady on my list originally, but that was really hard to flesh out because similar to what we were mentioning with um kind of one dimensions, you don't get that character development throughout the film. It's more just the plot in general. So it's like. When I went to start typing, I'm like, but what do I actually like about ladies? She's just, they're nice characters. It's a nice story. It's a cute story, but there's just not a lot of depth there to make make a top five. Other ones are more comic relief characters, weirdly voiced by the same voice actor with Pat Buttram. I love Napoleon and Lafayette from the Aristocats, nice. only because every now and again, Ella would just bring out, I'm the leader. <laughs> like, that's such a fun And then Sheriff of Nottingham, I think, is a great wolf villain, I think. Those are good choices. Tony, what were some of your honorable mentions? Uh, well, some of my honorable mentions were already uh, mentioned, but one that I thought of, which, I mean, in terms of a character, uh, was uh, Bandit from Bluey, uh, the dad dog. Because, uh, I mean, I have young kids. I've seen a lot of that freaking show. And he is he he's a good daddy. He's a good dad and a good doggy. You know, he's always there to be, like, the kids, you know, it's like, oh, we want to play the claw game. He's like, okay, I'll be your claw. 
which made my son want to do it. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, all right. And I was like, <laughs> and then I acted like a real claw and just didn't grab anything. He wasn't for us. <laughs> So. As an Australian, I appreciate that pick. What else made the list? <laughs> what uh, else was some of your influences? Let's see. Uh, we talked talked about Chance. Uh, uh, you got to give some love to Pluto. I mean. Absolutely, you do. That was hard. I mean, it was either going to be Goofy or Pluto for me. I'm like, unfortunately, they a little bit cancel each other out. And there's just more to Goofy because Pluto's just unfortunately always a little bit there. Like, yeah. I can't really tell you anything specific about him or any moment. I can't pull. But he's just he's just a good boy. Yeah, he, he he's a good boy, exactly, and he's he's a dog that he is the dog, like an actual dog. For some reason, Goofy can stand and talk, but Pluto on yeah. all fours and barks. So. The age-old question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but yeah, you can't go wrong with Pluto. And then I thought about Tramp because mm-hmm. it was a case of I another rewatch, but because. From that, I, I had only seen the classic scenes. I was like, ah, didn't quite hit, hit me as much as the other ones. Yeah, it's the so. spaghetti and maple scene holds up, but it's, yeah, it's hard. Nick, what were some of your honorable mentions? I got two. Um, hit me. And one of them is not Underdog, because I did think about Underdog, and I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> one is Dante from uh, Coco. Um, oh, nice. That's Dante's adorable. Yeah, and he becomes uh, something more and like the whole loyalty thing. I, I dig it that he just doesn't. Ha- he's definitely played more for comic relief than than some other dogs. Like he doesn't have much of a character himself. He's just a, a delight to be around. Um, the other one I I was really thinking about, um, and I I couldn't think of his name, and I just looked it up. His name is Demon from the classic Snow Dogs. Um, so. <laughs> Snow Dogs is about a Cuba Gooding Jr. He's a dentist, and he finds out he has all these dogs left to him in his will. So he goes, or, or whatever, and he goes, and he, he like starts learning how to become a sled dog trainer. And there's this one dog that just hates him from the moment he gets there. And the two like fight, and demons always like running away and like jumping on him and and everything like that. And then they get stuck in a cave together. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is told by James Coburn, I think uh to to bite him on the ear he's like you know what fine and so bites him on the ear and he's like i didn't think anyone would ever actually do that and then him and demon get along and demon helps get them to safety so that's a little like guilty pleasure of mine i do i did watch snow dogs a lot when i was a kid and i did remember that when Airbud came up i'm like is snow dogs gonna get a mention because i hadn't thought of the live action films as much but you've really gone on like an amazing tangent with it it's great um the other one i I think also needs an honorable mention is Slinky Dog from Toy Story. When we were talking iconic Toy Story dogs, I was like, Slink deserves a mention. That's a good way that you don't really think of because he's not a he's a toy, not a dog. Yeah, but, I, I was thinking, I was like, well, Buster, I was like, well, he only really has the mm. one scene in Toy Story 2 and then, like, he just plops over in Toy Story 3 <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, We need uh, more Pixar dogs. Yeah. Slacky. Guys, thank you so much for coming on today. I've had such a blast. Uh, hopefully we'll come back and Catch you next time. Absolutely. Anytime. Gladly. And when you come to the end, (laughs) stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod. 